Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. All right, welcome in to this uh, July 21st edition of Libservative. He, of course, is Corey Walsh. He is Dan Griffin. And we have a full plate of us ahead, a, a, a full plate, a, a full plate of us ahead of us today. Is that what I was trying to say? Maybe. I don't know. I got to learn how to speak before we... I got to start doing some of those like opera warm-ups or some shit before we start the show. The tip of the tongue, the teeth and the lips. The tip of the tongue and the teeth and the lips. Ow, now, brown cow. It's probably the booze. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Speaking of booze, what are you drinking today, Dan? I'm, ju- I'm drinking... Actually, I had heard good things about the rabbit hole line of whiskeys. Mm-hmm. So I, they're, they're kind of hard to find around here. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I did find a liquor store not far away, and they had the um, the the Dereringer version, where it's uh, I think it's aged in aged in sherry casks. What label? What color label? It's like a maroon. Label? It's like a maroonish label. Yeah, I guess that'd be the red label. So I, I like uh, the black label. So I uh, like I made a smoke. I made a Manhattan out of that. A little, a little bit of sweetness. Threw a little bit of simple syrup in there. Nice. I'm drinking some new riff bourbon and some Michelob Ultras. Oh, real quick. Watching your I want to give a shout out to a buddy of mine. This hat right here. You see how it says uh, Conscious Society? Something I like have that, a friend yeah. who is actually, I have it backwards because it kind of covers my face. But yeah, a friend of mine who actually might be writing a, uh, helping us write a couple uh, intros and outros. Um, this is starting a clothing apparel, so I told him I'd wear it on the show. Oh, there's a shameless yeah. there's a shameless plug for a good friend of Corey's. Yeah, conscious conscious society. It's conscious. <sighs> but he he is he's just trying to, you know, like it's the whole uh, message of being more conscious about your society and self and helping with each other and trying to better the world, one piece of clothing at a time. He's going to be donating money to different charities and stuff. That's very much what my monologue is about. So perfect day to do that. Perfect. I'm not going to lie. Before before people even get to the end of the show, uh, I, I wrote it out as if it's a monologue, but it's really more of a rant. So let's see how it goes. Monologues, rants, they're pretty much the same, right? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, just ask Matt Taibbi. He's a good one to ask. <laughs> <laughs> The what best, the new, best ranter out there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, just living. Just, just, just keep living. Just living. Okay, Matthew McConaughey, just, just running for president. Just living. Joe, Joe Biden struggled in Saudi Arabia, but I, I don't think he wanted to jump quite into that yet because we're we're not ready. We're we're not ready. We haven't uh, we haven't prepared our minds for uh, for that. Just yeah, yet. my mind's gone. I'm already on the kayak. Oh uh, yeah, you're uh, you're you're headed off. I'm headed off to go. Down the river, to pray. <laughs> both figuratively, down by the river to pray. Both literally and figuratively, Corey's headed down the river. Down to the river to pray. 
So then about that good old way. Did um did Please a- cut me off. I'll keep singing old gospel hymns. Did did AOC really get arrested? <laughs> did that arrested? I don't think anybody could figure that out whether that actually yeah. happened. I mean, we saw it happen, right? It was there. It's on video. She's smiling. Okay, so yeah, let me uh She's smiling. First things cameras. first. I will uh pull up that video for you. And we'll, Don't you love it when you have a video queued? We're just going to make then... the judgment live. Because I haven't actually seen the video. I've only seen like still shots. So I'm actually kind of excited to see this. Oh, okay. And I'll make my Even judgment. better. So here's the video that her team shared from her as she's being arrested, which right away shows you how elitist it is. Because if I've ever been arrested, I wouldn't have someone sharing to my personal page about <laughs> it happening. I would, Corey. It You'd have to give be. me your password, but I would, I would do that for you. If I was ever arrested, it definitely probably wouldn't be for something like this. It'd probably be something ridiculous. We, like, have, we have that kind of friendship. Off or... <laughs> it's just, not, just immediately just pulling out the phone. <laughs> All right. So here's the video for you, Dan. Well, I can't wait. Here um, we go. Here she is. Here she is. Here she is really right easy here. on the eyes. I'm going to put some audio to it and start it over because it adds to all of it. Does it? Yes. I don't know what's more phony that. So this, yeah, exactly. So what this video is basically showing is this chick getting picked up in her really fancy, nice clothes in her high heels, a little ascot. Her hair is perfectly straightened. Beautiful green ascot. I know this because you see, you've seen her as soon as she got picked up, she did that little, Flick of there. Should I pull this back up? So we can we can really analyze this. <laughs> we're we're um, gonna get forensic on this shit. This is this yeah, because is... it pisses me off. Because you know, <laughs> I like the comments on the side. You are a hero to us all. Oh fuck off, Mark. <laughs> like I've never like. Let me say this, Dan. Mark, Peter. let's watch this again. If I if everyone was arrested like this, there wouldn't have been George Floyd protests. There wouldn't be Black Lives Matter. There wouldn't be anything like that. The cops like the cops like looking at her like side eyed, looking at her, going, "Am I am I squeezing your arm too hard?" Yeah, just yeah, give me a break. Yeah, she she's able to walk away in her nice three inch high heels. Look at her; she flicks her hair so you can see her face. What? She's looking to make sure all the cameras catch her. She's pretending to be arrested with her hands behind her back for the photos, but then real quick goes inside to put her hand up to show solidarity. Yeah, because she doesn't actually have cuffs on. Right, she doesn't have cuffs on. She's making it look like she has cuffs on. And like right here, today, Rep. AOC was arrested along with other members of Congress. When she wasn't actually arrested, she was detained. <laughs> um, like, there's no pepper spray going on. There's no uh, flashbangs. The cops aren't in riot gear. Like, how nice... It must be to be arrested like this. And I promise you, she didn't sit in no holding cell. And so I was bitching about this to a friend, actually. And he goes, Corey, she's a representative. And I said, that's exactly the fucking problem. Right. Right. So th- like, the thing is this, like, <clears throat> even if you want to, like, buy into the facade, right? Like, let's say she really was arrested. Like, let's just pretend that's what happened. She really was arrested. 
Oh, it's showing us right now talking. That's funny. And charged with uh, what? What? What would she have been charged with in that situation? Probably maybe disturbing the peace. Okay, disturbing the peace. Uh, what would that be? Some sort of silly misdemeanor that you know she's not going to get because she was never arrested. She was detained. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, let's say she really was arrested and really charged. You think those charges are going to stick? For no, absolutely. For, not. for even for no, they would be dropped immediately. But she got a chance to wave her, wave her hair, her her with her with her phony activist attitude. And look at me. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm standing it, for women. Exactly. As if, like, as if look anybody... at her little arrest. Look at her arrest. And then look at Bernie Sanders' arrest during the civil rights movement. You had that video? The photos of him is literally kicking and screaming. He is arrested. He has his legs lifted up out of the air. And they're dragging him and throwing him in the back of a paddy wagon. But that's a- She just gets treated like a delicate flower taken off for the fucking photos. Because guess what? No matter what she's doing out there. We can go to the Josh Halley thing. They're in there arguing about trivial shit about this stuff, and women's rights aren't actually being uh, rectified or corrected. Well, well, look at I mean, and you look at AOC, and you watch you watch this this phoniness, and and it's almost like I look at this and I compare it to what we saw when people were bitching at her, wondering where the hell she was during. Uh, the workers protests, right? Like, where were you for the workers? But oh, he, when when workers actually might get beat up and arrested. But not only that, but she's there, you know, quote unquote, in solidarity, you know, with women. And, you know, I'm, you know, pro-choice this and pro-choice that as if as if she would ever or any of her family members who are now a part of the elite, the elites at this point, as if they would ever have to worry about whether or not they could get a safe, legal and effective abortion. Or a safe, legal, and effective lawyer for being arrested for a misdemeanor like this. Stop pretending you're one of us. You're not. And she, you're not anymore. You might have been before yes. you started, but you were quickly taken off your blue collar and it was put on this elitist fucking shit. Yeah. Like, how much do you think that whole outfit she had on? It's probably what I make in like maybe five, six weeks. Maybe not. That makes me sound really poor. But, I mean, the <laughs> but next, regardless, there's people out there like that. The next time she wears but, an eat the rich dress, she should start gnawing on her own fucking arm. That's what needs to happen. Exactly. Yeah, like I've been on the front lines of protests when like the shit's hairy. When like if you plan on going to the front lines in your backpack, you should probably have on some safety goggles. You should probably have some safety goggles, a gallon of water, a fucking like uh what's it called a handkerchief you know or a bandana to cover your mouth from the smell of uh like like uh fucking tear gas because it's in the air when you're actually at a fucking protest and like for shit like this not her just picked up so fucking delicately she flicks her hair to look at the camera and pretends she's arrested just to make sure she throws her hand up, but then quickly bring it back down because she, she realized, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to look arrested. She didn't even trip once on her high heels because they went by her fucking pace. Dan. Right, 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 and right. And that's right. what pisses me off you because she- I've seen women treated like pieces of shit, thrown in the back of cars, thrown down, beat. And it's just this is the perfect example. And like I said, my friend, I don't even think he realized like exactly like he was saying the quiet part out loud. She's a representative. Yeah, you know what? Exactly. She's a fucking elitist out there for a couple pictures. She wasn't arrested. She was there for a photo op and she fucking got it. And she got it. And and her th- there are still some some of her her goofy base that 
are there that they're, they're always going to believe it's real, right? So you look at you look at like just to just to throw it over to, to the other side, right? Because we got to make things fair. You, you say people are are part of this cult of Trump, right? And they are. There are people out there that are that very much so. But there are definitely people that are in this cult of the squad that, and these people aren't actually doing what you think they're doing, just like Trump wasn't actually doing what his cult thought he was doing. Right. And again, if that was an arrest, that's an arrest in our country. Then great. If that's an arrest. That should be every arrest yeah, from exactly now on. Exactly. Great. Because if that was an arrest, then George Floyd wouldn't have been murdered. Uh, what's his name? Michael Brown. You know, all of these people who are arrested and killed by police. Black Lives Matter wouldn't exist. Well, I mean that actually that actually kind of goes back to because uh, she's a minority woman. Well, it, Corey, that actually kind of goes back to the, the conversation that that we had with uh, Tristan Taylor a few weeks ago. And if if you're listening, you haven't had a chance to check that podcast out yet. I recommend you go do so. Um, AOC as a you know a representative, a, a member of the elite, uh, somebody who is well-to-do has no reason to fear a police officer when a police officer comes over and says, ma'am, you're under arrest for disturbing the peace. If that's actually what happened, which neither of us believe that's actually what happened, but let's say that that's what happened. That It's very different than, you know, George Floyd probably fearing the cops his entire life and being a little bit, a little bit nervous. Michael Brown being a little bit nervous. Why the hell are you arresting me for selling Lucy's? Why the hell are you arresting me for uh, for taking a part in taking a, taking part in fucking free market capitalism by providing right. a service on the streets because it's quote unquote illegal to sell a Why are you cigarette? shooting me for legally owning a gun? Yeah, so th- those. Why are you shooting me in my sleep in my house? Exactly. It's that's all based what, that's on what experience. That's what pisses me off the most about this. They keep calling this an arrest, to where it's like motherfucker. If this really was like how the police treated everyone, and if this really was an arrest. Half the like, there wouldn't have been millions of people out on the streets hitting the pavement, fucking talking about police abuse in 2020 all fucking summer long. There wouldn't be 2,000 murders by police every year. This being an arrest is absolute bullshit. When she got grabbed and she had that smug look on her face, she wasn't like the thousands of people who were arrested for the same exact scenario as she was because those people are thinking, holy shit, I don't have, I can't make it to work tomorrow. Holy shit, I can't afford a lawyer. It's like that. It's like, you remember that? What was it in like uh, People Magazine or like News or one of the, or maybe one of the tabloids? It was like, celebrities, they're just like us. We should create one of those for Congress people. And it was all it was all completely fake when it you was celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Call me I slow like stroke it. over here for you're, the people who are just listening. I'm over here doing the circle jerk. Your schlong is not that big, Corey. It's not you, hey. sh- you shouldn't be going this far with it. It's like when you catch a fish and you go get your arms way out here. <laughs> it's the angles, man. Remember the MySpace angles? <laughs> That's true. When you when you measure from the underside of your nutsack to uh, yeah, from the, the uh, from the actual anus. <laughs> oh my god, it's 14 inches. Wow. What do you mean? It's amazing. Incredible. And then you, and then you actually put it into millimeters. Because <laughs> American women don't know metric, anyways. Oh, it's a large number. <laughs> it's a balloon deflating. That was that was actually AOC. That's my that was ego. actually that's, 
That was actually AOC's credibility deflating right before our eyes as she either that or my ego. If you're talking about my my stroke, <laughs> uh, that's a Billy Squire stroke right there. Is what that is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. So basically, what I'm saying is that what pisses me off about this, like she, oh yeah, she may have been arrested, but like the way she was treated there with these white glove treatment, like the guy looked like he's like, well, I don't want to get my fucking oily fingers on your suit mrs aoc let me just i'll walk with your pace i guarantee if it was another woman who was an aoc and it was another woman there in high heels and if it was an actual protest and shit happening we know that that wasn't a chaotic scene because there's a fucking band playing in the background (laughs) and there is no riot gear in sight (laughs) there's like four cops there (laughs) right yeah give me a fucking it was like a reggae concert in downtown i've seen people arrested by cops and they don't give a fuck if you're wearing stilettos pumps whatever it fucking is they're about to break them off of you as they're throwing you in the back of a car yeah we know it's fake part of it there was some part of that that was fake and probably and even if it was real and that's almost worse that it is real because it's a blatant example of how rich and elite are treated versus the working class and how in a short fucking four years, this girl has become so disconnected mm-hmm. because it's her fucking page that says AOC was arrested. Because like like I like we said a little bit ago, like as she's being arrested, someone from her fucking staff is already posting on her personal page about her being arrested and shit like that. Isn't if that- that's how arrests go down in our country, then BLM, you know what I, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but isn't that and isn't that like really disconcerting? Because, you know, it's not just you and I, but lots of other, you know, independent political pundits that have way more knowledge than either you or I do. We've all said the same thing, which is, uh, yeah, these geriatrics that are out of touch that are running our country are a huge part of the problem. Well, now you have like a 30 year old that has just fallen right into the same bullshit, the same elitist bullshit that we get pissed off at these old people for. So it, that, I think that's the reason that I get so pissed at people like AOC and, and, and the rest of the squad is because you were supposed to be the generation that was going to make this better. You were supposed to be the generation that was supposed to stop this elitist bullshit and really get down to the nitty gritty of what, you know, the average American, you know, 24 to 50 year old actually like wants and what's actually important to them. But nope, you're in there. You're out there just taking taking the opportunities to get the pictures and make it look like you're on their side. Why? Because now you're an elitist. Now you want to get reelected. And when you finally decide to leave Congress, I don't know, maybe you'll get a job with some really high profile nonprofit somewhere and rake in a bunch of dough until you die. Just like the generation prior to you. So that to me is, is is probably the most disconcerting thing about everything that AOC has become in recent in, in her especially in the most recent couple and it of happened years. so fast. Oh it did. It, and it's it sucks. AOC calling this an arrest proves that AOC has never been arrested. <laughs> She's never had a speeding ticket because she batted her eyes at the police officer that pulled her over. I don't know. She might have some run-ins at the law and stuff like that. Like me personally saying this, I've just I've witnessed arrests a bunch of times. I've never been arrested personally, but like I know what an arrest looks like, and that's not it. Yeah, I don't know. You want? Did you want to move on to Josh Hawley here because it kind of applies to this? Because it's again, it's just more. Oh, uh, we can. It was kind of a. 
Wait, there are there are two groups. Those watching the January sixth hearing and those covering their ears with their hands, saying "la la 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 la." It's not happening. No, it's not real. Hey, do you guys read this? I'm the only one <laughs> in the room, and I'm not sure who you are talking to. <laughs> we're just talking to the ether, man, and we're recording. Um. So what does he mean? There's two groups watching the January because that's right. The January sixth protest just started three minutes ago. The oh the uh, the latest hearing. Yeah, we were actually going to talk about that a little bit, Ginseng, because of the fact of what John Bolton said about it. But it's a whole different trajectory than I think that a lot of people are expecting. At this point, I just want to wait till they're over. You know what I mean? Before we even give dive me the into cliff it. notes. Yeah, a lot of it's stuff that we already know. Mm-hmm. We know it wasn't a coup. We know Trump is not fit to be president. Yeah, that's it. It's as simple as that. Those are like the two biggest things you need to know. Uh, yeah, so. If if any if if any major revelations come out, I mean, obviously we'll cover it. We covered the first night of the hearings, so or the I guess yeah, it was because the first ones were in prime time and it got no ratings, so yeah, not really not really worried about that. Uh, yes, you know, you know not Jensen, you're right. Uh, his inaction, that's something that we actually agree with. Is, and yeah, they had to threaten him with a Amendment Twenty Five to make him actually do something, and sure. Yeah, he's direction of duty, absolutely. But he's too dumb to make a coup. You know, that wasn't a coup attempt. Like, we're literally talking about a coup that would be based on, what, squatters' rights? Like, they were just going to storm the Capitol and hang out for six months and then be like, well, I guess this is ours now. (laughs) I don't think it was an actual coup. Did Trump sit on the wayside and watch it and enjoy it? Yes. Uh you know, what is he a fucking idiot? Sure. But to call it a coup, I think, is just a distraction from the fact that our president right now it has a complete inaptability to think outside the box and fix problems that happened under his watch and Trump's watch. I think it's very That's enough. Put down the that. mic. You said the guy's going to run again, but I don't know. DeSantis might run. We'll see. I'm not either way. I'm not I'm not uh, not ready to discuss that yet. <laughs> as as you know, we have we've discussed it ad nauseum. Uh, anyway, Josh Holly, Josh Holly being Josh Holly mixed with the limousine liberal is a loss for America. Mm-mm-mm. Do you have the video pulled up? No, I thought you I did. didn't pull it up. <laughs> I thought I did, and I did. I pull it. I think I did. Let me see where I got this at. Here it is. I, I found it. I knew, you, I knew you had to have it in your short history there. You're pretty I had it on one of the tabs. You're good. I mean, Let me uh, share my screen. Your notes on good old CNN. God, every, a lot of the stuff that we've pulled lately has come from CNN, hasn't it? It's kind of it has kind of strange, but it doesn't doesn't matter. It's all about the content. It's all that really matters. Right. All right. Let me get it back to the beginning. There you go. Am I up on the screen? Am I on the screen? You're good to go. You are good to go, sir. Fire away. People with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important- Because of my line of questioning? So we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist- I'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think <laughs> so. You are denying that trans people exist, Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet you might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot. Just I know. In this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. Yep. That's probably all we. So need. that's basically yeah. the exchange. I mean, you want, you um, want to talk about... What pisses me off about this... You want to talk about nonsense. Just complete and utter nonsense. I I, I watched that and my I, I wanted to throw up the whole time. Not because of Josh Hawley's questioning, not necessarily because of her responses, but just because this is, this is subject matter that literally had nothing to do with what was being talked about in that hearing. Right. It's dumb. It's stupid. The Republicans have this weird sticking point that they think they have this gotcha question when they say, what is a woman? And the right, I mean, and the left is like so afraid to like, like define it without offending people that while millions of, do you call them like women, whatever, like whether it was someone who is transgendering or is transitioning from a woman to a man or if it's a straight woman, like people with a uterus are being put to the wayside while we have culture wars going on with the wording, just the fucking wording in the Capitol to while they're over here trying to hash this shit out for 60 second little sound bites. Like we literally just literally help put it like with the cog in the wheel or whatever by promoting it, by even bringing it up. It's, but I'm, we're bringing it up in the, uh, the context that what it's doing is it's it's literally hurting women because of the fact that there are millions of women right now who don't have abortion, who have access to not even abortion but just healthcare in general. While everyone is over there contorting themselves over the wording wording of what it's exactly supposed to say, and I think it's absolutely silly, and I think it's literally nothing more than a way to push the push the shit down the road so that way they don't have to vote on it until after midterms so it's a sticking point for everyone to to put the carrot on the stick to bring their voters along to where instead of actually trying to figure out how we're supposed to protect body autonomy we're stuck on the words it's too it's too that that whole clip was two jackasses involved in a culture war that were trying to play gotcha with each other that's so it. they can get a little 30-second clip for Twitter or YouTube. Exactly. But, Two but jackasses playing culture wars while they while that woman herself, because she is a part of the elite, would have no problem getting an abortion, and neither would Josh Hawley's daughter or wife or whatever has no problem getting an abortion. It goes back to our whole elitist conversation because rich people aren't going to be affected by Roe v. Wade. Rich women are going to be able to get an abortion no matter what. And they're over here 
playing around with wordplay and doing all this shit. Meanwhile, we haven't settled the issue of body autonomy for women. And there's going to be millions of women as evidenced by the 10 year old girl in Ohio who was raped, who aren't going to be able to have access to healthcare while they sit there and argue with their culture war bullshit. I guarantee you that if a trans man is pregnant and he wants to have an abortion, he could give two shits about the wording. He doesn't want his life fucked up. What was the most annoying thing about that to you? Like the most, the, 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 the most, the most annoying like statement between either of them on their face. Like which, which, what was the one that bothered you the most? Because I, I'll tell you what mine was. I am so sick and tired of, and and I know there are plenty of people that feel this. I'm so sick of, sick and tired of people referring to language as literal violence. That is what pissed me off too. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're causing like, violence. It is just you're. you're I so- can't stand Josh Holly, but the, his response was, "Wow, I'm causing violence by questions," and it's like, apparently, you're not allowed to ask questions anymore. His his line of even questioning- if his questions were in bad faith. Whatever she, I don't remember what percentage she said, but his line of questioning cause, causes 10% of trans, whatever, I don't remember what she said, whatever the number one was. One in five. One in five trans people to commit suicide? Really? Really? His line of questioning? We're not, so yeah, so it's just it's an untouchable subject. We're not even allowed to ask questions. We're not allowed to like talk about this. I guess I guess the thing that, that's that's most infuriating is like this idea that you can't be What's up, bright eyes? That you can't be, yeah. What's up, bright eyes? You can't be sympathetic to uh, the plight of trans people, but also be a feminist anymore. Like it just seems like you can't be both. Or if you, if like, if you try to be both, you're walking this fine line to where if you're a public figure, eventually you're gonna say the wrong thing. Right? Like it, it's it's you know it's just like the 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 athletics issue. Or, or the issue that Matt Walsh brings up in What is a Woman, when it has to deal with kids, right? Like, it's, it's, it, it can't just be this all-encompassing thing all the time. Because it's almost, it's almost like the trans ideologues sometimes, they, wanna, they almost want to deny that women exist. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I got, that's what I got out of that conversation. As much as you want to maybe accuse Josh Hawley of, de- of denying that trans people exist, which I... I I don't think he did directly. I guess maybe he implied it, but I got I got I got out of her that like she was denying that women exist in in some way, shape, or form. And to be fair, now in that part when she said that there that there are a lot of women who can't have a uh, have a baby, but at the same time, that's kind of the outlier. Like women, like the biology of a woman's body and the biology of a man's body, a biology of a woman's body is supposed to, it has a uterus. It's supposed to be designed. Its functionality of the uterus is to have a baby, but there are women who can't have babies. So I understand the idea of the, of the fact that, uh, bless you. Uh, thank you. (laughs) I understand the idea of saying like pregnant, like, people whatever because it might affect i guess you know see this is what we always do we always talk ourselves into these weird conundrums of these conversations like (laughs) i get the idea of saying pregnant people because it might affect a woman it might negatively affect a woman who can't have a baby but at the like i don't know 
I just think we're getting too hung up on this stupid wording shit. And there's yep. half the country is now has less rights than you or I do. Too too hung up on compelled speech. And, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the Jordan Peterson point. Um, and he brings up a good point. You know, the fact that she basically tried to compel Josh Hawley to use a certain type of speech. And he didn't want to use a certain type of speech. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's okay. You can still answer the question. I mean, even if you think he's a transphobic, trans denier which he probably it, is i mean it's josh holly is i mean <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would probably say but that it's, he probably it's a is. Shut argument she had an opportunity to really have a good answer to where she could say you know regardless of what you define as a woman there's millions of people that are now have less rights than other people in this country based on the ruling by our government class and it, yeah it was classic deflection but instead, she did this shutdown thing that the same thing that you see from the left a lot to where it's just, oh, you're causing violence. You're causing literal violence. It's the shutdown argument of just calling that. people that disagree with you racist. Or the shutdown argument of calling someone a communist. Or the shutdown argument. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the shutdown argument that the left and the right does all the time. Or the shutdown argument of if you didn't get the vaccine, you're a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. And now, if you want access to healthcare for women, you're a murderer. Yeah. 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 Bullshit. Hog shit. Horse shit. Whatever you want to call it. Sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Uh, where do we want to go next, Corey Walsh? Well, you want to get into some positive shit? We got a couple yeah. positive stories there. Yeah, I haven't read a whole lot into this. Where's the banner here? Did you create one? Which one? About the. Uh, there we go. Oh, you want possibly to talk, you want to talk positive about news. I thought you wanted to talk by about the, the numbers. You wanted to talk about the suicide hotline, but this is good too. Oh, well, we can get into either or. So, this is my little thing. I was reading up on this, and this is this can be something that could be possibly very positive for our country if our administration gets their head out of their ass and does things properly. And I'm not trying to go on some America First trope, but good let's be luck. honest. Let's keep our own ducks in a row before. said if I did, they'd go for <laughs> <laughs> You know, like even Jesus Christ of Nazareth himself said, uh, worry about the plank in your eye before you try to dig out the speck of uh, dust out of your neighbor's eye. Right now in America, <clears throat> in the last year, we have seen 116% growth in manufacturing plants and things like that being built in our country. When CEOs who have their businesses across the world due to the free trade and globalization and things like that and deals with China, especially CEOs in China, 90% of them, Dan, are looking into moving their businesses away from China. And 80%, I think it is, are considering moving them back home or somewhere closer. That's great. But we have to put things in place, and this is where the possibly positive news comes in. That these guys are ready to leave China. They're saying, you know, fuck these guys. They, you know, just in time, uh, just in time inventory isn't working. Or that gendered you, language is uh, literal violence. What did I just say, guys? Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. It's just guys and guys. <laughs> Anyways, um. These guys are, oh man, you let me, you actually made me lose my track of thought, my train of thought. Um, 116% of businesses are being built here. 80% want to move home, but we have to put things in place to set it up to where it's cost effective to move these jobs back home. We're already at a, uh, like have like one foot on the back step 
because of the, or we have one foot back because of the fact that wages here obviously are going to be higher than they are in other places. I'm not saying that's bad. I think that wages should be higher here. I think I know working 40 hours a week should not rely on the government for anything. But one other thing that people look at are things like natural gas and the price of moving and shipping and shit like that, especially like right now, the biggest thing is logistics and how fucked up everything is moving things overseas. So if people want to move stuff back home here, it has to be cheap and cost effective. And when we talk about gas, it's not just about transportation, but we're talking about natural gas. So what's happening in our country right now is 75% of our natural gas is being exported. That's a 41% jump since the Ukraine war. So virtually half of our natural gas uh, the, the, so we, so like the percentage of natural gas being exported has doubled, leaving prices just skyrocketing here at home. Now, if someone sees that and they decide where they want to move their country, where it's going to be the cheapest place, where it's going to be like more logistically sound, cheaper, and things like that, you're going to want to move a place where like prices are going to be fixed when you work on your uh, your uh, your graph. I forget what the graph is called exactly. It's the uh, the the graph where you you do your fucking math, you where know, like you, you know you, like you, you're you gonna know, break you, even. You know the thing. You know the thing. Oh, the break even mark. The break even mark of where like what cost to make the goods meets what the cost of selling the goods meets, and they do that shit where they meet on the graph. <laughs> Fucking Christ! We are intellectual like, idiots. Don't 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 ever. Come oh my God! I forget what the graph verbiage. is called, but I think it's your break-even point. I'm actually pretty sure it's called your break-even point. And they're gonna, they're going to look at that and figure out where they're going to move their country next. And their business. America has the opportunity to be a place. Go, hey, move here because it's going to cost you this much, and we need to shore up uh, our natural gas and keep it home. We need to fix uh, laws to make it to where our strategic oil isn't sold to the highest bidder, whether they're foreign or domestic. And we need to make sure things at home are put in place to attract businesses from across the seas and bring them back home versus going somewhere like Mexico or somewhere in Latin America. Is that what I'm saying? So basically, like I'm saying, the positivity is we're building here. CEOs are looking to come home. And our administration needs to get their head out of their ass and make a nice, big, shiny fucking welcome mat to bring them home to create jobs for American people. And if that happens, then these numbers could be positive. If it doesn't, then it's an absolutely missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, good luck. And and Sub says uh, you, you shouldn't be selling strategic oil, period. I think in most cases that's true unless you have like a legitimate surplus. No, I actually agree. We shouldn't be selling them in the first place. And this goes... Right. Yeah, for sure. Not other now, numbers. for sure. Agreed. We shouldn't be selling these fucking strategic oils because of the fact that our fucking refineries here in America are already at 90% capacity. So it doesn't matter how much oil we have, but we can only pump out so much. And that like when we release these strategic oils that are supposed to be there for wartime to where like the, the oil is literally there. Are you saying we're headed for war, Corey? I'm not saying we're headed to war. We're always headed for war. <laughs> but the oil is there for us to protect ourselves from a scenario that Germany finds themselves in. Not to just be sold off to a company in China whose subsidiary is a person who's on the board who owns 10% in that company whose name is 
Hunter Biden. <laughs> yeah. Who I mean, says, well, he sold his interest, but there's no evidence of that. So, I mean, a, a lot of this has to do with um, just in time shipping as well, which you, which you had mentioned um in in the in the pre-show and i think th- so that's the basic reason why a lot of these companies want to move closer to home so th- ba- so basically they're telling us they want to move either home or closer to home but we have to do from a uh governmental perspective and from a domestic perspective we have to incentivize them to want to do that more is that kind of what you're getting at like is, is pretty much yeah and I'm not saying a bunch of tax subsidies and I'm not saying a bunch of tax credits, but if the basics of things like gas and infrastructure isn't shored up here, there's no incentive to move here. Cause we already know the wages like, like justifiably the wages are already going to be higher, you know, justifiably the regulations are going to be more stringent because, you know, we don't like smog and we don't like shit in our water. And so there needs to be incentives to make it like to circumvent things like that and cheap commodities of just running a business on fixed rates is one of those things. And before we talk ourselves in circles, those are the types of things that Corey and I and probably most of our listeners, we don't really have answers on how to make that happen. If you're somebody who does, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, We're not that smart, but you, you have to hear... Domestically, you have to hear our leaders saying the right things, but instead, what are they talking about? Stolen elections and Putin and shit like that. Not how do we bring things back on? I mean, maybe Bernie Sanders, but he's he's all he's 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 even kind of lost the the uh, the luster, the gumption to uh, try and try and get uh, better wages and more businesses back in the United States. So, so brought up a good point too that Trump made it a point to talk about how Germany shouldn't be buying oil from Russia because <laughs> Trump actually did that. <coughs> he did do that. Yeah, he did do that. That's not that's not a lie. Not a lie. So he also said, "So what does Biden do? He buys uh, and sells our oil to the two largest adversaries. What the fuck is he doing?" So technically. Just to clarify that, there is a law in the books that when we lease strategic oil, it has to be sold to the buy- the highest bidder. And now the law actually does mention foreign and domestic companies. Now, I think that law should be fixed. If we're releasing strategic oil, we shouldn't be selling it to someone like China. So I, I 100% I agree with that, but he's technically not breaking any laws. He is legally bound by that. And that wouldn't be just him either. It, it would have been any president. But yeah, I mean, we have the opportunity to really bring a bunch of manufacturing home and make this a boom town again, like it used to be in the 50s and 60s. But it's like, dude, I don't know. Biden's just silent. He's not making any any moves to make it happen. Yeah, we and we don't have the answers for that. Um, but I haven't, I haven't heard a legitimate plan or, or I haven't really even heard of anyone... Uh, either in the Biden administration or in Congress, Republican or Democrat, really mention this. I mean, you got this from where? Where the fuck did you get this information from? Um, I got this actually from a little tidbit on the uh, Presidential Daily Briefing podcast. Ah, there you go. So, but yeah, and like, and like, he brings up a couple ideas. So, so in other words, Biden was briefed too. on it. <laughs> 
No, no, no. He he's an outsider. He no, says if that. he what like it's the presidential daily brief. It's a podcast. It's he almost like it's person. almost like that. It's almost like it's something Biden should have been briefed on, but probably wasn't. <laughs> right. Like, how about this? Let's let's uh, we haven't had a new refinery built here since what the seventies. Let's build a couple more refineries. No, Corey, that's bad for the environment. You know, let's build some refineries. Let's get the oil pumping. Let's get the oil refined here. Like it's like. Obviously, I'm at, I am someone who's pro environment. I am somebody who's wanting to get more green, but at the same time, we live in reality. Yeah, I mean, but it was like a 1973 law that like blocks like refineries being built and shit like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I look at it this way, right? Like you and I are both. I think we'd both consider ourselves pro environment. Like it's this weird, that weird misconception about. Being close to Flint, Michigan, it hits it hits really close to home. Well, everybody's pro environment, right? Like I, I know I know a lot of the left likes to like look at the right and say that they're like somehow anti environment, but um, I think the way conservatives often look at this and probably libertarians as well is you're going to use this oil, right? Like we're still at a place where we're burning fossil fuels to fuel our automobiles, to fuel our to power our homes, all this stuff, right? You're going to use it. Anyway, why does it somehow make it environmentally better if we're not making the fuel here and buying it from somebody else? Nimby, bro. Not my backyard. Can you like? Can't you do both? Like, can't you like make it more economically equitable to burn fuel because that's what we have to do right now by uh, pulling it up here, refining it here, and burning it here, but also finding ways to make it cleaner, still putting money into renewable energy, uh, particularly nuclear. You know how I feel about that. Like you, you, there's a middle ground where you can do both things. Like we can, we can try to move away from fossil fuels, but still use our own fucking fossil fuels. If the alternative is buy it from overseas, from people like the saudis who are murdering people in yemen <laughs> it's just it just it doesn't make any sense it, it it doesn't seem like it's it's much beyond common sense to me sub also sub i think subs reading my mail over here <laughs> he said that uh biden also wants to put tons of windmills in the gulf of mexico let's look at this windmills can withstand up to winds up to 94 miles an hour how many hurricanes have we had in the gulf in the last decade there's a reason no one has built there before I want to actually I want to unpack that a little bit because I'm actually reading some about this. He wants to do this, right? He wants to put these windmills in the Gulf, and it sounds great. But what it's literally going to do is take away a ton and ton and ton of jobs away from commercial fishermen. And then on top of that, we have the Jones Act. I think it's the Jones Act that makes it to where if you go from port to port in America, it has to be an American-made ship manned by an American crew. The windmills. <clears throat> the blades on these windmills. Have you ever seen a, a uh, like a semi on the road carrying oh, yeah. one of those blades? Yeah, yeah. They're like fucking half a football field long. They're more than they're, they're about a football field long. The windmills that we're talking about putting in the Gulf are probably the double that size. So to get them out there, it takes a special ship. Now the special ship that's designed to carry these things, there's only like, I think maybe five or six of them in the world. And none of them are made in America. Ooh, they're French ships. So how 
do we make this cost effective where we use a French ship with a French crew to move these here without breaking the law? Like you understand, like it's like it's like platitudes. It's they, they say these things to make people happy, but yeah, there's yeah. literally no yeah, legitimate yeah. way to do it because the laws itself is we're, fucked up. We're invested. We're invested in wind and solar. And look, it's great. It's great. But and we've we've I'm already not- we've we've already seen the numbers on this, Corey. You you cannot run the world on wind and solar, at least not right now. They're nice because we don't have we don't have a way to, to store the power. It's a great. I mean, granted, like we live in Michigan, so we've had days. We've had days, right? where um, Michigan has empowered by nothing more than wind power. And that's great. But what about the other 323 days of the year? Mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. Like it's great to, to keep, I, 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 w- I would never say stop trying to improve the technology of wind and solar, but we know for sure right now you can't power the world that way. And nobody wants to talk about nuclear. Because it's it's for some reason it's this goofy boogeyman in the room. Because there's been there have been f- three or four major disasters of which a handful of people have been killed in our history. And I was thinking about that. I want to do a series on nuclear power in itself. Let me bring someone on who's talked to people. We'll maybe reach out to Robbie because he they maybe try to find someone who's pro and someone anti and like really get down to the bottom of why we should do it and why we shouldn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be tough to convince that we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I will too, but yeah, I'm open to it. To I mean, I'm open to that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But like, it, there's just there's got to be this happy middle ground. But we we've gotten to this point where it like honestly, like green energy has become this weird culture war issue. Like how how did green energy become a culture war issue? How did green energy become something that only liberals love and conservatives hate? Which I think in the grand scheme of things, I think if you actually talk to to conservatives is probably mostly untrue. I think, and maybe I'm a little conservative when it comes to this, this is I still recognize that we still have to use fossil fuels, so we should make it economically make sense to use fossil fuels until we can officially be rid of them. I don't think right. that I don't think that's a crazy hyper conservative opinion to have because no one wants to talk about it, but we're never going to get rid of them fully because we use uh, the byproducts of oils and stuff to make plastics for your phones. Yeah, petroleum. Yep, petroleum. Literally everything we're touching right now is affected by fossil fuels and petroleum. And I'm a hundred percent down to make it more energy efficient, make it more environmentally friendly. To put a dent in it with things like renewable energy to where like the simple idea that instead of using a big chunk of coal, that's going to put a bunch of carbon in the air, that's going to heighten the temperature of the world and kill some kid in India and some guy in the Appalachian Mountains for having to mine it. I'm down to try to save as many of those lives as we can with renewable energy, but to just pretend that we can just close the valves to fossil fuel and hop into energy right now is like absolutely silly it is it is really interesting though that we we have a current administration that wants to you know quote unquote save future lives by changing us over to green energy while the head of said administration makes a trip over to saudi arabia to beg for more oil and we still consider ourselves allies with Saudi Arabia as they continue to bomb the fuck 
out of the Houthi people in Yemen. And the Kurds. Oh, no, the Turkey wants to kill Kurds and one of our other allies. So, yeah, I always find that hypocrisy really, really interesting. I don't even think you need to put the banner up um, because I think Biden's trip to the Middle East basically speaks for itself. Very, very establishment. Um, kind of meaningless, certainly useless, and absolutely goes against what he said on the campaign trail, which was trying to make Saudi Arabia into a pariah state. The thing that I find really interesting about that is I don't know how you expected to turn our biggest oil partner in the world into a pariah state while reducing fossil fuels domestically. (laughs) I mean, it's just the contradiction was made while he was on the campaign trail, Corey. We're going to invest in green energy. And that's not the bad part. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with investing in green energy. But, you know, the talks of stopping fracking and shutting down oil pipelines and, and what have you and, and, and stopping the drilling while turning Saudi Arabia into a pariah state, to me, is... I mean, I feel like he said it in the same sentence throughout most yeah. of his campaign and during the debates. And, and, and everybody who just... Trump bad, orange man bad. Just you know, throw up the, the, the throw up the applause sign. We love it. I, we don't know how you're going to yeah, do it, Joe. But good luck. Yeah, it's insane to me that as he's running for president, when gas is at like two bucks, it's really easy for him to say, "Yeah, fuck Saudi Arabia," and then gas hits four bucks, and then he's like, "I'm going to go visit Mohammed bin Salman." Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go to there. I'm sorry. And to give him credit, Dana, Car- Dana Carvey had like the funniest joke about it when you watch the video when he fist bumps Mohammed bin Salman. And uh, it's I also heard people say that he fist bumped people in Israel, and they're like, "Well, he's probably doing this." So then when he goes to see Mohammed, he can fist bump them, and then it doesn't show any sort of. Uh, favoritism or whatever but then dana carvey goes well that wasn't even a fist bump it looks like he was trying to punch muhammad bin salman <laughs> but he just lost the energy when he did it but yeah it's uh it's again it just shows the world that uh our politicians in america are full of shit Corey, that was the voting for joe biden was like the ultimate uh, the world's going to burn down if the other guy wins situation. I'm so sorry that you fell for that. I did fall for it. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of it, but I'm also not ashamed to admit it. I've, you know, changed my ways since then. Woke, I'm woke, <laughs> if you will. I'm woke on that. You, you, changed, your, you changed your spots. It's actually, it's actually kind of what my monologue's about. You want me to get into that? Rock that out? We can quick? if it's in. Yeah, so I... Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, this monologue it was written as a monologue, but it's really a little bit more of a rant because, I don't know, I was just feeling spicy and I just started to write shit down. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, as the 2022 midterms approach, those of us who care about who our leaders are, are going to be... <clears throat> Let me start over. As the 2022 midterms approach, those of us who care about who our leaders are going to be, start to pay a little closer attention. Which candidates are coming out of the primary system? Which candidates we support on the issues and on their character? Which candidates we disagree with? And which candidates vow to give us the changes that benefit the most Americans and keep the institutions in place that have already given us so much? 
and make the adjustments necessary to the institutions that need work, while fighting to downsize the institutions that cause Americans harm through loss of liberty and due to unchecked corruption. But wait. Damn it. It was just a glorious dream. A dream of the way we the people should approach each election cycle. Instead, we're forced to view it through the lens of an electron microscope staring into the vastness of the universe. By doing so, we the people are broken off into two camps, but not the two camps you may think, not conservatives and liberals. If you're an avid reader of any type of partisan, corporatized news, or a reader of hyper-partisan, independent news, you're likely in the camp of the indoctrinated. The camp that has you othering your neighbor in a box of evil that don't even deserve really to be heard from. For their beliefs, opinions, political leanings are that of evil and are to be regarded as dangerous. These people swim in an Olympic-sized pool of misinformation, violence, and anti-democratic conspiracy theories. They're the current boogeymen, hell-bent on bringing down our democracy to its knees. If you're the type that looks the current version of our society with a tired malaise and walks away from a political discussion or debate for fear of exhausting yourself into a metaphorical insane asylum, you're likely in the camp of the defeated. The sad reality behind this is that most Americans in both camps will head to the ballot box for the fourth time since November of 2016 with remarkably low expectations for the outcome. Look no further than recent polls showing that a heavy majority of Americans don't want either cur- either the current president or- nor his predecessor to start another term in January of 2025. Or perhaps polling that shows that Republicans rank Trump's stop the steal election integrity conspiracy well down the list of important issues, yet every Republican candidate seems to be running with that issue near the top of their platform. Or the fact that Joe Biden's polling numbers are so low you couldn't slide a credit card underneath them if they were a limbo bar. The defeatist attitudes know no party. They know no candidate. They're in the hearts of nearly every voter that heads to the ballot box. Trump supporters in Pennsylvania have tweeted in droves over the past few weeks about how Dr. Oz is getting his balls drugged through a wood planer by a nearly comatose John Fetterman in their, in their Senate election. What are they saying? Oz is a rhino and he's bad for us, but I have to vote for him because I don't have a choice. Bernie Sanders supporters that had a loathing hatred for Hillary in 2016 had to hold their nose and vote for the right-wing Democratic establishment candidate, even as the DNC railroaded Bernie out, out right out in the open for all of us to see. Bernie himself has lost the will to fight for anything he truly believes in. I don't have a choice. The most undemocratic, defeatist phrase one can utter when speaking about free and fair elections. The fact is, you do have a choice. You can choose to stop being afraid. You can choose to stop allowing your mind to be molded like a Christmas chocolate Santa into a fearful, hate-filled, angry robot who thinks your neighbor is responsible for for why gas prices are at a record high. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and their establishment cronies have done a good enough job blaming voters for all of the country's ills. 
The same way a CEO blames the underpaid, underinsured, broken down worker for why prices are so high and production is so low while he sits on a 90-foot yacht drinking Cristal and doing handfuls of blow with the board members. We the people have to stop being defeatist. Stop voting for these people, especially out of fear. Stop falling for the nonsense that the other team is going to destroy America. They're going to put women in breeding camps underground or play communist Robin Hood and take your money straight out of your wallet to give to some San Francisco vagrant. The way we've been operating as a nation is what is going to cause all of this to actually come to fruition. The more we allow our politicians to control us with fear, the more our candidates are going to move to the, to the fringes of authoritarian power. Weimar Germany didn't become Nazi Germany simply because Hitler chose to take over one day. He undermined a democratic system using fear and, and a tanked economy after nearly two decades of an extremist, fear-mongering political war between the far left and the far right. With anyone in the middle losing hope and feeling defeated and unheard, does it matter what kind of undemocratic dystopia we become? Communist or fascist? Take your pick. Or keep fighting for democracy by ending the fight amongst ourselves and allowing those of us that support the free market of ideas to bring you into our club. And if you're in the free market of ideas, please speak up. We need to be heard in order to break the fear. We do have a choice. You're still muted, brother. <laughs> I like it, Dan. There we go. <laughs> I also like the idea of being on a 90-foot yacht with handfuls of blow. Yeah. And not having a care in the world. Drinking Cristal. Like are you not a, not a Cristal fan? I mean, Cristal, Wild Turkey. A 90-foot yacht just sounds like a great time. But no, you're right. You're right. It's uh, Both sides have vilified the other so well to paint them as some sort of boogeyman to where people feel like they have no choice, but to vote for their person. And then anytime something goes wrong, their, their side gets to go, Oh, well, it's not our fault. It's the other side's fault. It's the other side's fault. That's made it like this, but don't worry if you vote for us, that we're going to fix it. But but the, 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 what I'm noticing is like the more we continue falling for that nonsense, the more each side continues to move further to the fringes because they're out of touch. You think that's our primaries that do that? Because only like the extremists vote in the primaries. We have a system that's set up to fail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess ordinarily I would say that it's mostly the primaries, but it's like, I mean, what we what we saw between Clinton and Trump and Biden and Trump was like. I mean, if it gets any if it gets any further to uh, um, kowtowing to the fringes, we're going to be at a point where one of these fringes is going to win out. Like you, ha we have to do a better job. I I'm not even saying you have to demand centrism, right? Because I don't, I don't, I don't think centrism is really is really a real thing that we like. We're never going to have a perfectly centrist administration, right? That that's never going to happen. That's a pipe dream. And and I don't I don't even know that it would necessarily work, but I, I think I think you have to 
be willing to just accept defeat on certain things. And I think you have to be willing to come more towards, it's hard to not say the center, but it, that's the, the proverbial center is what I guess I would say. Willing we, to compromise. Yeah, we, we, have to, we have to force these politicians to recognize the actual issues. And the only way you're going to do that is by not voting for them. But the, the, the fear is always, but if I don't vote for them, well, then the evil team's going to win. And we can't let the evil team win. And the way I look at that is like, okay, so let's just say you're a liberal. You fucking hate Donald Trump. He's the worst president we've ever had, in your view, right? America is still standing after four years of Donald Trump, right? So it's like, if you if you made a statement to the Democratic Party about how, hey, you know, you need to be more reasonable in your liberalism and you don't go vote for Hillary Clinton and she gets hammered in 2016. Now you've sent a statement to the Democratic Party. Yeah, you have to deal with four years of Donald Trump. But the world didn't burn down. I think both parties need to do that. Both voter bases need to do that. Take a breath and go, okay, it's not. Yeah, this president was terrible, but not uniquely terrible. The problem is here's here's where here's where you run into a hiccup. Because either way, one of these parties is gonna win. And that's all they're gonna care about. The fact that they won. And they're just gonna go out and do it again. So it's almost like it's almost like the supporters of each party need to kind of take turns. <laughs> but then you then you have to get compromised. And then so that speaks to your point. That's why that's why we're set up to fail. That's why this system is set up to fail. It really is. And instead of anyone working on reform, this is, it can actually go into our next topic of uh, the Democrats are, in fact, the biggest donors to the fringe Republicans. Is that a good segue? Was that a good segue, Dan? I'm going to read this again. Democrats are, in fact, the biggest donors to the fringe Republicans. Oh, yes, of course. Great strategy. <laughs> Great strategy, Cotton. Let's see how that Let's works. See if out. it pays off for them. <laughs> I can see your eyes. You're about to pull up that sound. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find it, but go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is. It's bullshit. And as someone who is now strategy, Cotton, let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> as someone now who has been a part of two election cycles, and I had the bleeding heart liberals on the left freak out on me saying it was my fault that Donald Trump was elected because I voted third party. And then a short four years later, having Everyone, all of my conservative friends freak out and blame me because I voted third party that Biden's in office. But that's just it. That's just it. That's the big change, right? That's the big change right there. Hillary Clinton did a good enough job of basket of deplorables, right? The politicians do a good enough job of blaming the voters. But when you have the voters blaming the voters, now, now your politicians really have no reason to fucking change. No, it's not their fault for them because it's not their fault. Yeah, and that's what I was getting to is that they vilified each other so side that anytime something goes wrong, both sides get to go, oh, well, it's the other side, but don't worry. Keep voting for me. I will fight them for you. Roe v. Wade is the perfect example of how that blew up in everyone's face. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can't, like, the liberals didn't, like, you can't, liberals don't ever blame themselves for maybe getting a little lazy on that issue and maybe not uh, taking Supreme Court appointments a little more seriously and not asking uh, uh, RBG to step down. I mean, no, you're never going to hear talk of that on the left. You're never going to hear how the left has responsibility in why 
Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was it was all the evil Republicans. Nobody like the, the, not, neither side takes responsibility for their shortcomings. And, yeah, it's like you know, it's like it's it's a, a good parable would be uh, a school shooter like the one in Buffalo who everyone knew what his intentions were because he loved breadcrumbs the size of loaves of bread all over the goddamn place. Yeah, he didn't leave and then when he actually he does it, everyone's like, where did this come from? <laughs> the Republicans did the same damn thing with Roe v. Wade. They weren't secretive about it. They weren't quiet about it. They said they were going to overturn it for the past 50 fucking years. So anyway, how many, uh, how many uh, uh, MAGA people are the uh, Democrats putting money towards? Okay, so I'm at Newsweek.com. It's a short read, so I'm just going to read the whole article real quick. And the article's name is, Democrats have spent $20 million trying to help Trump-loving GOP candidates win. So, in their Democrat group, Democratic groups have spent more than $20 million supporting Republican primary candidates who strongly support former President Donald Trump in an apparent attempt to give their own candidates more vulnerable opponents. Polls have shown that Democrats may be on course for major defeats in 2022 midterm elections, but the Democratic Governors Association, the DGA, and external political action committees, PACs, have been attempting to boost more hardline GOP candidates. Democrats may be hoping that their efforts will see more right-wing, pro-Trump candidates chosen by Republican primary voters, which could give Democratic candidates an easier time in competitive elections. Analysis by the National Journal suggests Democratic groups have spent more than $20 million in these efforts, but the final figure could even be significantly higher. In the Illinois governor race, for example, the DGA spent $15 million on TV ads attacking Republican Richard Irvin, who was mayor of Aurora and considered the establishment choice for the GOP nomination. The DGA has also reportedly spent millions more reporting one of Irvin's primary opponents, Darren Bailey, who is strongly pro-Trump and anti-abortion. While the advertising ostensibly attacks Bailey for being too conservative for Illinois, it appears designed to boost his standing among GOP voters. The GOP nominee will go on to face incumbent Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker in November. Conservative outlet The Washington Free Beacon estimated on June 8th that Democrats could end up spending as much as $32 million in advertising against Irvin when digital ads are included, citing spending data. The DGA also reportedly donated $1.5 million to another Democratic group, Strong Colorado for All, which in turn donated $600,000 to another state super PAC, Colorado Information Network. Newsweek has asked the DGA for comment. Colorado Information Network is running ads in the governor's race ostensibly attacking GOP candidate and former mayor of Parker, Greg Lopez, highlighting his positions on issues such as abortion and same-sex marriage. The group also booked at least a 915 thousand dollars worth of tv advertising set to feature lopez that will run through the primary on june 28th lopez said he believes trump won the 2020 presidential election the other republican candidate for governor is heidi ganal a university of colorado region and the only statewide elected republican in colorado democratic governor jared polis is seeking re-election in november and that campaign may be easier if lopez is his opponent in the typically deep run blue state in the U.S. Senate race in Colorado, left-wing super PAC Democratic Colorado has reserved at least $1.49 million worth of TV advertising to promote their state representative, Ron Hanks, who believes Trump won the 2020 election and attended the rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. The advertising will attack Hank for being conservative and could prove a headache for GOP Senate candidate Joe O'Day, who is the establishment choice in the race. 
Whoever wins the Republican Senate primary will face Democratic Senator Michael Bennett in November. A strategy of promoting more hardline Republicans through ad spending may have paid dividends in Pennsylvania, where Democrats, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Josh Shapiro aired ads boosting Republican Doug Mastriano's conservative credentials. Shapiro's campaign spent more on a single TV spot than, Mansano's entire, than Mon- Mastriano's entire TV advertising budget. Mastriano has promoted the idea that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump and won the former president's endorsement in the GOP primary, which he won. It is not clear how much Democratic advertising has benefited him. And that's where the article ends. But yeah, so basically what the Democrats are trying to do is what the uh, opposing party did under Hitler, trying to just kind of support them and box them in because they think they can actually strategically put them in a corner yeah, and then beat them in the primaries. So I got two things out of this. And I don't know which is more important because they're probably pretty equal. You have Democrats that are, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure Republicans do this too, right? Because it's it's all about winning, right? That is what this proves. That the Democrats' most important thing is winning elections. Not not perhaps endorsing the Republican candidate in the primaries that would maybe fit their values better, right? Because that might mean you might that would mean you might lose. And we just can't fucking have that. But the Dan, second thing remember- hang on the second thing and I'll let you go. The second thing is I thought MAGA and Trump in particular were literal Hitler. I thought these people were Satan. I thought these people were going to burn the country to the ground. They're going to start throwing women in gulags. They're going to, you know, they're going to kill trans people on the streets if these people start getting elected. But you have your establishment party that is comfortable because they think they can beat them, actually trying to make sure they win primaries. But they're so dangerous. They're so dangerous that so many people are going to die if they get elected. Yeah, what's that called, Dan? Really Putting messy your money game. where your mouth is? Really messy game, it sounds like you're playing. Yeah. If you really thought that Donald Trump was a detriment to the, the, the Constitution, that I think you'd be spending $20 million trying to disparage him, not $20 million on some political gambit, hoping that it pays off. And then the other thing is, this is why it's a stupid strategy. Guys, I don't know if you noticed, but Trump already won an election. Right, like it, it, it already didn't pay off once, right? Because there was rumors of this going on early in the Republican primaries in 2015 and 2016. Because remember, everybody was laughing, right? Trump's Trump's a joke. There's no way he's going to get the nomination. He's too much of a loose cannon. And then he got the nomination, and everybody went, "Okay, well, yeah, that's kind of what we were going for. He should be pretty easy to beat." But wow, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised he got it. And then he wins the presidency. And you're going to continue to play this game with people who are on the side of literal Hitler? Yep. So now what's going to happen if these candidates go out and win the general elections? What are you going to do? You're going to pull the Hillary move? You're going to blame voters? Probably. We live in a racist country. That's what's going to happen. Because we already know, especially, especially, Corey, when all the polls, hold on, I'm pissed. Especially when all of the polls are already suggesting, and all of the pundits are already suggesting that the fucking Democrats are going to get their 
asses handed to him in these midterms. Now you're really playing a dangerous game, especially when the economy is, you're not making it any better, especially right. when the economy is as shit as it is. This, I, 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 oh God, this pisses me off so bad. Like, like, never mind. Never mind about Trump. Trump isn't Hitler. But do you want a Hitler? This is how you get a fucking Hitler. No, but to them he is, right? He's literal Hitler. That's the way they talk about him. They they don't think he really is because they're spending $20 million on people he's endorsing. But that bullshit money could actually promote someone who might actually try to pull some actual shit who isn't a dumbass like Trump. <sighs> or or DeSantis. Can we stop pretending like he's better? He's just a quieter version of Trump. <laughs> That's pretty much all he is. In my view, and the response is going to be a Buddha judge or a Biden. <laughs> I'm telling you, stop falling for it. Just vote third party like I do. Right. Yeah. Like we we can fix this if we really want to. Like, oh, no, what would have happened in 2016? I would have voted for Trump or but Hillary. That goes back to my monologue, Corey, the amount of people that vote out of fear. I mean, it's just if fear or outright hatred, outright anger. Is what that's what people vote on now. They don't vote on they, they don't vote they don't vote based on the issues that they see uh making a difference. Because and, and, and that's generally because neither candidate ran on those issues or has any intention of fixing those issues. So they have their issues that they would like to see fixed, and if there was ever a candidate that was actually doing it in good faith, maybe they'd vote that way. But Goes back to my monologue. Everybody feels like they're boxed into this corner of having to vote based on uh, cultural and ide- ideological lines. Exactly. It's 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 just it's absolutely insane to me. It's it's I yeah it's it's ah <laughs> these motherfuckers act like these other people are just the absolute devil. And then they but then give them money. But then the money. But then they throw a bunch of money at it. And like some just said, some vote for RD, no name attached. And that's another issue that we have in our country. People who true. do the straight ticket voting. And they don't even look into what this person says. As evidenced by our news feeds of all these women who are like who were pretty conservative that I know personally. Who were like, yeah, Trump. And then all of a sudden they're like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's like, well, can you? Like, really? You can't? Or were you just someone who was just voting for an R&D next to the name, regardless of not knowing what their policies were? Yeah, and it's it's to me, it's so interesting because toward the end of Trump's term, you know, I remember talking to people that voted for Trump. These are reasonable human beings, right? These aren't MAGA people, right? They were just people that thought Trump was the lesser of two evils over Hillary. Was that just a, a deplorable trope? What? They're not MAGA people. Yeah, they're not. They're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, there, there, okay, were, there were some deplorable. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit. But no, like re- reasonable Trump voters that just thought Trump was the lesser of two evils. So not the cutards. Right. Exactly. Uh, but these people had buyer's remorse towards the end of Trump's administration. And a lot of it had to do with January 6th. And um, they weren't exactly as upset, maybe, that that Trump had lost. But like you, you have that with Biden as well. I mean, except it's coming to fruition a lot sooner, really. Than, a lot faster. It, it's amazing how like people will be okay with someone. If long as the gas is cheap and the economy is okay. But yeah, but people have buyer's remorse. 
You know what I mean? And, and it, it both people on both sides have buyer's remorse. And I, I would really be interesting to see somebody do a study on that. Like, especially in the last, we'll say the last term of Obama, Trump and Biden. Like, how many people had buyer's remorse for the presidential candidate that they voted for? <laughs> Voting between Hillary and Trump was like trying to figure out if you want herpes or warts. Warts can be removed. Herpes is forever. Yeah, I'll take the warts. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is warts? Do you think Trump was warts? I don't know. I guess it depends. I on would say Trump was warts because everything he did was under executive orders. Yeah, it's true. Warts can be removed. Yeah. Well, other than the uh, Supreme Court stuff. Nah, that is like herpes. But right. that was luck. That was there was well, okay. There was some luck involved. We've talked about the RBG thing and how she should have stepped down and yada yada yada. A lot of things fell. I'll put, it this way. I'll put it to you this. I'll put it to you this way. A lot of things fell into place that allowed Trump to appoint three judges. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, what do you want to talk about next, Dan? Do you want to talk about uh, John Bolton, or should, I, should we say that? Because you know what? As we we're as I was looking at this banner, mm-hmm. I was thinking I want to look into what's going on in Nicaragua because mm-hmm. we've we've covered that topic. Well, we, we you know what we can do? We can play the clip. When we talk about it next week, you want to, you want to, or the week after you mean, or yeah, that's right. I'm going to be gone next week. So ne- when I'm back, but we'll play the clip. If I can get it. Okay. If I can get it yeah. Back. Let it, let it marinate for everyone. And then we're, then we're going to revisit it because there might be more stuff that comes out after this. This one's pretty fresh. Talk about it for uh so former national security advisor, John Bolton, uh, on the, uh, the, the, the is it the Jake Tapper show? Like what, what do you call this? I don't know. Jake Tapper on CNN. I don't watch any of that group shit. of misfits with uh, like Michael Flynn and Sidney Powell. Um, is he just not capable of, of hearing no? Well, when it comes to his personal advantage, the answer is he doesn't listen to anybody else. But I think this it's also important to understand, while nothing Donald Trump did after the election uh, in connection with uh, the lie about the election fraud, none of it is defensible. None of it is defensible. Uh, it's also a mistake, as some people have said, including on the committee, the commentators, that somehow this was a carefully planned coup d'etat aimed at the Constitution. That's not the way Donald Trump does things. It's rambling from one half-vast idea to another, one plan that falls through and another comes up. That, that's what he was doing. As I say, none of it defensible. But you have to understand the nature of what the problem of Donald Trump is. He's, to use a Star Wars metaphor, a disturbance in the force. And it's not an attack on our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you, to be, to be uh, fair, with all due respect. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat... What? What? <laughs> what? What? What did you say? What? Did you say the quiet part out loud? I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna play any more of that. We don't even need to see anymore. Oh, you gotta finish it. Well, they don't talk about uh, Venezuela. Because no, oh, no, that they do. They mentioned it, and he says, "Well, I mentioned it in my book." Not in this clip. No. Oh, not in that clip. Yeah, okay, okay. it's just something else. Nice. But, but yeah, so clip. in the actual interview, he's like, the guy goes, "Well, wait a minute, hold on." Dude. <laughs> He goes, well, yeah, like Venezuela, I mentioned in my book, I'm not going to get into specifics about other things. But yeah, he literally came out and said that there's a, there was there was a coup. And uh, one thing I will add to this, I guess we're just going to talk about it. And we'll, we'll come back to it. Just real quick. Instant reaction. Fulton, 
Fulton Armstrong, he was a uh, national security advisor. He was just recently on the pushback with uh, uh, Aaron Monte. What's his name? Aaron Monte. Yes. And so Fulton Armstrong says to Aaron Monte, he goes, Coos, now we have to be careful. Just a teeny bit of history here that when the U.S. government supports Coos, it's done on different levels. There's the highly political level, or it's done on three different levels. There's the highly political level where the policy is to achieve regime change without actually getting into the mud with the potential coup plotters. A second level would be one where we establish it as a political a policy, and we, through various players in the U.S. government, including covert players, but also overt players, go out and sort of look for people who say, think, sort of, help me rid me of, help me rid me of this priest sort of stuff. And then the third one is when you're hands-on and you're actually recruiting people, arming people, and setting particular operations in motion. Venezuela was one of those three levels, and we do this all the time, as evidenced by John Bolton saying the quiet part out loud. And this goes back to our whole Nicaragua thing, where it sounded like it was more of like a level one thing, where we were really trying to influence it heavily without saying, oh, well, we were involved. And it's things that we clearly do all the time and the fallout of it is the most tangible evidence of it is the southern border and that maybe we should stop getting involved in places like haiti venezuela the other thing the other thing to consider is the fact that if you look into we'll say most of the coups we'll say since uh the bush years if you look into these every single fucking time we're always on the side of the, the right wing more right wing nationalists as evidenced by Ukraine right literally funding Nazis <laughs> to fight a war uh Venezuela was another example Nicaragua was another example now, now we, we tried we yeah Nicaragua was like a soft coup where we tried to influence it and it didn't work that way so we sanctioned them but either way, we're always on the on the side of the right wing nationalists because we just can't have leftism in the world, and that's one of the things that gets me so upset about domestically about uh, people that vote Democrat that think that our establishment Democrats are actually left wing. They're not. They're not. I don't mean to. And I don't mean to parrot Jimmy Dore here, uh, <laughs> uh, Corey, but he's right when he says that the Democratic Party is right wing. It just is. Based on an international scale, absolutely. Bernie Sanders is a centrist in all of Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Ask Europeans what they think about uh, uh, Bernie Sanders' policies, and they'll tell you, eh, he's pretty pretty center. They might even call him center-right in some in some cases, to be honest. And yeah. so, so like, just, just keep that in mind when... Because this doesn't have anything to do with whether it was Bush, uh, Obama, uh, Trump, or... Biden. In every single one of these, we have always there been on been the side. Coup we have, and we have always been on the side of the right wing uh, part side of that coup. Every time, absolutely. Every single right, time. even under Obama, who was it? Gaddafi in Libya. There was Haiti. Under uh, Bush, there was uh, what happened under Bush? It was uh, more Haiti. Um, what else was there? There was another one. I can't think of the name of it, so I'm not going to get stuck on it. But under Obama was Ukraine, Haiti, Libya. Under Biden now is Nicaragua. 
Trump, Venezuela. It's Venezuela. Yeah, Trump was Venezuela. Like it happens constantly. We meddle in these countries, destabilize them, and then it creates a huge refugee crisis. And some of them are close enough to where they come back home to, and, you know, the chickens come home to roost on our border. Mm-hmm. And then we raise our hands in the air and go, I don't understand why all these people are trying to come into America. Keep in mind that, you know, usually it's the right wingers that are, you know, all about building walls and, you know, keeping keep people the hell out of our country because they're coming to take our jobs that we don't want. Uh, so I want all of our listeners actually to put a thumb on Mexico right now. Because the Mexican president is a leftist. Uh oh, he's and he was just recently. So just recently he and it was actually kind of a big thing that no one's talking about. Just recently, uh, Trudeau and Biden gave him shit because he wasn't treating some of the trades, like the trade agreements, like fair. And that they said they were going to come after him for it. And then he just went, oh, I'm so scared. (laughs) And he ended up actually sharing. And it was like, and the way he said it is like from a song that's really big in Mexico. And it's like a mocking song of somebody who says who says they're like they're scared of someone like oh I'm scared, <laughs> and he fucking said this and then played the music video to this song, and then after this said nothing's gonna happen. Well, if he ends up dead, or there's some sort of coup against his administration, just keep in mind what we just said. Yeah, keep in mind, and it's and it, it is. Keep you know read it read Aaron Monte's work read Glenn Greenwald's now, work I'm read the gray like zone. This when we, yep, when we talk about if something like that happens, we always give the caveat of put the tinfoil hat on. You know, on our show, we're not Alex Jones and things like that. But just keep an eye on that. You know, put your finger on the pulse and keep an eye on a little bit of an ear open and earshot of things you hear about Mexico and the development of our relationship with them as this leftist is becoming into power there. And if you watch how unfriendly the relationship with Mexico happens really fast, especially if Biden loses in 2024 and we get a right wing president. And you know, if you are a right winger, you know, I don't judge you. Uh, and you want to complain about, you know, illegal immigrants popping over the border in droves after a coup like this happens, just remember we're always eliminating a quote unquote left wing threat. Yeah. And, and it's destabilizing that, that, say- destabilizing that country. And that's, what's causing these people to come up here. Right. And like, like you said, like if you're a right wing listener, then like, just remember, and it's absolutely important to like, we're not knocking you for being a right wing listener, but don't take the or not don't, but actually take the blinders off to where you can be able to like kind of look side to side and judge your own party. And because that's, the left doesn't do it and the right doesn't do that, it. That's and a, that's kind of what the premise of our show is. When I think and I think that's a question, uh, and then we can kill it. I think that's a question that not enough people in general ask, whether you're left wing or right wing. You know, we know that we have uh, an immigration. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a crisis. I guess that just depends on what side you're on. But we have an immigration issue at the southern border. But very, very few people ask why. It's either just let them all in or throw them all out. You know, it's never, why the hell is this happening? 
And do right. we and do we have some responsibility in why no. this is happening? Is, is it the ATF and the CIA doing major operations of selling guns to people to get unregistered money to create money to oh do coups? Or is it people just destabilizing governments on the south to make them come north because their government can't protect them and cartels are taking over? Is it the war on drugs? Well, Joe, I don't know. Joe Biden will tell you what you need to do right here. Read the polls, Jack. <laughs> All right, we got one more topic, Dan, and then we actually covered everything we wanted to. Tonight. Ooh, and we're actually crazy. we're actually leaving this on a positive note. We are. Oh, the suicide hotline or the <laughs> god damn it, the mental health hotline. Yeah, the mental health hotline. So it's kind of the suicide hotline. I think they actually lead to the same thing. Yeah. But this one's just a much easier to remember number, like 911. It's 988. And what this number is going to do is it's basically a simple three-digit number that you can call if you're having a mental health crisis. And what this does, and this is, I think this is the most important part, is this doesn't lead you to the 911 number that leads you to someone who has basically the fire department or police department on like uh, the switchboard to get you connected to them to where if someone's having like a schizophrenic or bipolar disorder, they can call this number and then it reaches out people who are designed to help in mental health issues that they can connect. You can connect you with them to deal with this instead of sending someone with a gun that just knows how to just protect property and just put people down. And I think this will save lives. I think this is going to lift the burden on police who aren't trained to deal with these type of scenarios. We might see less deaths and we might see more people saved. And I think it's ultimately a good idea. Now, and this right here is actually the perfect example of bipartisanship. That is something that could, that like, it's just, it's it's like one piece of salt on the tip of your tongue. You know what I mean? When you get that one piece of salt and you're like, "Mm, this tastes like salt. (laughs) And I'm not using salt as like, this is shitty, but it's just, it's just one grain of salt can make your whole mouth taste like salt. This one bit of bipartisanship is just proof that we can, we do have a system that can actually make things work because the mental health hotline was actually instituted under Trump. And then Biden came along and instead of actually trying to nix it because orange man bad, he pumped $400 million into it to where this is actually going to be a viable alternative to just calling the police to come and take care of autistic situations, free them up to, I don't know, stand around in schools for 40 minutes, 77 minutes. Ooh. That was a jab at the police. With some hand sanitizer. I'm trying, this is supposed to be a positive thing, but I'm still very bitter about Uvalde. But I wanted to let it finish. But, but yeah, so like this is something that's, it's a step in the right direction that can save lives. And like, I, I, can't have anything negative to say about that. And I hope I hope police departments take advantage of it too. You know, if somebody some people call the cops in and the cops come and <laughs> call nine oh eight and they hung yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And then like and like it sounds really bitter, but it actually saves a life. No, like, like <laughs> say, say somebody's having say somebody's having, you know, some sort of mental health breakdown, but the person calling thinks that they're Don't call you know, us, we'll shoot them. Call nine oh eight. Right. <laughs> Robbing. Like <laughs> But the cops show up on scene, they realize somebody's having a mental health issue and you know. They can call nine and eight, and they're like, "Hey, uh, yo, keep the scene yeah, safe." Yeah, you know what? That's actually something I didn't even think about. And then they call nine. If someone does fuck up and call nine one one because they don't have the nine eight eight number, mm-hmm. and they show up and there's a mental health crisis, they can kind of detain the persons where they're not hurting other people, and maybe try to save them from hurting themselves. And then they call nine eight eight and go, "Hey, get the fuck over here!" All we are trained to do is tase and shoot people and protect property. <laughs> we need someone here that can deal with someone who has 
fucking autism. I just really hope a cop actually says that. All we're trying Those to exact do is, lines. And then the person on the 98 line goes, yeah, you're right. You know, you guys, all you do is just have your tanks and stand around in schools while kids get shot. No. Let us come and handle this nuanced situation the cop and you know what the cop is like the cop's like all we're tra- all we're trying to do is tase and shoot people and sometimes we fuck that up <laughs> yeah sometimes we're not even good at that we need you guys out here to come help us out we can't even pull the right gun out of the right holster <laughs> taser 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 what is that? I, I know they weigh different but i can't tell one's bright yellow <laughs> but yeah yeah no this is supposed to be positive dan it was, it was funny i think that this is actually going to save lives I agree. I hope. I mean, I'm a little cynical, but we'll see. We will see. I hope I never. I hope I never have to use it. But I think that's it, Dan. I think you're right. Tell the people All they right. can find well, us. Real quick, check out Conscious Society. My boy, he's out there making uh, apparel to just help society. <laughs> and in the meantime, if you liked what you heard on our show. Make sure to like, follow, and share Libservative Podcast. We are found on Facebook at Libservative. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. You can read our, our transcripts to our monologues on Libservative Podcast or LibservativePod.wordpress.com. You can find our actual page at podpage.com slash Libservative. You can reach out to us directly at LibservativePod at gmail.com. We have a TikTok. I almost made a video yesterday, Dan, and then you hopped into the stream yard, and then I got distracted and never made it. It doesn't matter. The uh, they're they're trying to the FCC is trying to ban TikTok anyway because we're getting all yeah, our data stolen. Prohibit so. anything that makes us uncomfortable. Right. Um, we are on TikTok at libservativepodcast.com or at libservativepodcast not dot com. I don't know why I said that. Um, like, follow, and share. Reach out to us directly and just share the feed with a friend. Share one of our memes from our page with a friend and tell them that we also have a podcast and you enjoy it. And I also want to ask all of our listeners that do listen to when this is over in the next like 40 seconds to leave a review, preferably five stars, unless you think we're pieces of shit, then don't leave a review. But if you like the show, leave five stars. And, uh, and then just tell us we're pieces review, of shit. Huh? Leave, leave, leave us a five-star review and still tell us we're pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Leave the five-star review and be like, you guys are trash. Five-star. <laughs> anyway. This that's been, it. This has been Libservative. Until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. He has been Dan Griffin. And we are out of here. We the people cannot stand that.